What's the time? It's time to get ill. What's the time? It's time to get ill. So what's the time? It's time to get ill. Now what's the time? It's time to get ill. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Illiteracy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Benson, a senior policy analyst at the Heartland Institute, a national free market think tank. Uh, we have a very, very special episode of the of the podcast today, uh, something we don't normally do, but uh, the uh, author today is a good friend of the program, so uh, we're doing a little special today. But uh, anyway, if you're just tuning into the podcast for the first time, basically what we do here is I have an author on uh, to discuss a book of theirs that's been newly published or recently published, and uh, you know, hopefully at the end of the podcast... After you hear a conversation about it, uh, you'll uh, purchase the book yourself and give it a read. So if you like this podcast, please consider giving Illiteracy a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show, and also by sharing with your friends, as that's the uh, best way to support programming like this. And my guest today, returning guest, uh, this is uh, his fifth time. He's in the fifth-timer club now, so I'm going to have to get him a, 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 a blazer like on Saturday Night Live or something like that for the five-timers club. And our guest is Dr. Jonathan White. He and Dr. White is a professor of American studies at Christopher Newport University. And he is also the author of 13 books, three of which he has previously guested on the show for. Uh, those books are to address you as my friend, African-Americans letters to Abraham Lincoln, a house built by slaves, African-American visitors to the Lincoln White House, which won him the Gilder Lerman Lincoln prize for 2022. Uh, Shipwrecked, a true Civil War story of mutinies, jailbreak, blockade running, and the slave trade. And he also guested on the show for the book he co-edited with Brian Matthew Jordan entitled Final Resting Places, Reflections on the Meaning of Civil War Grave. But anyway, he is back once again to have a little chat about his new children's book, which will be published uh, on the first day of February by Reedy Press. We're actually recording this a little bit early. But we'll get it out on release day. Uh, the book, uh, as I said, released by Ruby Press, first day of February, is called My Day with Abe Lincoln. So, uh, Dr. White, thank you very, very much for coming back on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So do I have the record now? Have I beaten out H.W. Brands? You you are, yeah, you're ahead. You are now ahead. You're in the, the, the pole position. All right, good. Uh, I'm I sure think... he'll be back later this year with something new, though. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna tie you back up, I think, in a little bit. But uh, for 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 now, you have the lead. Um, yeah. So, my day with Abe Lincoln, the children's book. Uh, you've written lots of other books before uh, for adults, and even I guess for big kids, you know. Uh, but uh, what made you want to? Where did you get the idea of having writing a children's book? What made you want to do it? And you know, what was the inspiration for the whole thing? I think it's a combination of a lot of things coming together. So part of it is I've been studying Abraham Lincoln now for more than a decade, and I've done a lot of books about Lincoln and the Civil War, and I've been thinking about him in an academic way. I also have sort of a public facing role through organizations like the Abraham Lincoln Association or the Lincoln Forum, where I'm always trying to bring Lincoln to the public. And one of the things that we always talk about in our meetings, when you look around and you see a lot of people with white hair or like me with no hair, and 
you know, you, we always kind of ask, what can we do to get younger people interested? And I'm always working with high school teachers to try to get them, you know, finding ways to make their courses interesting to students. And then the the other part of it is I have two kids. So I've got two daughters. They're now seven and 10. And I've been telling bedtime stories for 10 years now. And I've been taking them to historic sites, often against their will. And so all these sort of things came together, my love of storytelling for kids and my love of Abraham Lincoln, and then also just kind of looking at our culture and seeing that we are in a nation right now that I think doesn't have much of an appreciation for its history and great heroes like Lincoln and George Washington and Jefferson are kind of being dragged through the mud by a lot of academic historians and a lot of pundits who just want to kind of tear down everything that has come before. Mm -hmm. And so with all these sort of things kind of percolating in my mind over the last few years, I had the idea to do a children's book. And I wanted to do something that would get at Lincoln's early life, because I think there are a lot of really interesting stories from Lincoln's childhood that might draw kids in. But I also didn't want to just write a straight history book of here's what happened, and then this, and then this, and then this. And so as we'll talk about, I'm sure, I, I developed what I'm calling a fantasy historical fiction of a young girl who doesn't want to go to school one day, and she travels back in time and meets a young Abe Lincoln. And in the process, her view is changed, her view of education and the importance of reading. And she comes back to the present at the end, very excited to learn more about Abraham Lincoln and, and to read and to go to school. And my thought is, I'm trying to give kids the vegetables without them realizing it. Like I'm, I'm giving them the story of Abraham Lincoln without them in a package that's not typical. And what I like to tell people is, you know, I spent years researching the book and I tell people it's 100% historically accurate, except for the time travel part. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, instead of a DeLorean, it's a uh, magic... Uh, uh, top hat. by Pat. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, when you first told me about this a while back, I guess last year that this was coming up when you said children's book, I don't know. I automatically, cause my son is, he's about to turn four. So when I heard children's book, like in my head, like children's book to me is like, you know, Dr. Seuss, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, uh, or, uh, you know, cars and trucks and things that go or, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, so I thought it was going to be like, you know, like a little like kids, like children's book. And then you sent me the the, the proof or the uh, PDF of the file. And I was like, oh, wow, so this is actually for like, uh, I guess, uh, elementary and middle school. Yeah, kids, I think uh, it's or, probably or, six to ten year olds. Yeah, would be the right. Yeah. yeah so it. it was a lot uh, longer than I expected because, you know, like I said, I'm used to this. right. <laughs> you know, just like the although I will say Dr. Seuss. Uh, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish is incredibly long for yeah. this book. I don't know. I don't know if you remember, uh, but that you book will, is like, your family will age out of those books. Don't. Yeah, I know. But I just, I, I just, to. I mean, but I hadn't read, I hadn't read it since I was like a kid. And so I was like reading it to my kid at bedtime and I'm flipping through it and I'm like, Jesus, like how long is this? When is this book going to end? Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's great. And this is going to be, um, this is going to be the first in a series though, correct? The, this, do you have, uh, yeah, is that if, to be determined or 
I think we're going to aim for three books. I've written a draft of book number two, and that is currently set in the White House, although the publisher and I are kind of talking through what it what it will look like. But it has the same character. Her name is Lucy going back in time to then meeting Lincoln and his whole family in the White House in 1861. His first book is set in Indiana in the 1820s. So, right. Uh, spoiler alert here. But is so is Lincoln going to recognize her? Cause it, yeah. As, so he's going to recognize her from his well, childhood? Well, so the way I write it, she shows up in the middle, in book two, she shows up in the middle of a cabinet meeting at the White House. And she instantly knows who he is. And he comes over to her and he recognizes her. He knows he's seen her before, but he can't put his finger on it because she's only aged six months, whereas he is aged 40 years. And so uh, he doesn't put two and two together that she's a time traveler. I, I worry that if uh, I do that, it would kind of diminish part of his character. Oh, OK. I got you. I see. All right. Yeah. So he although it's in draft. So it, I'm open to ideas for how I can shape right. it. Cool. All right. So, yeah, the character of Lucy um was she inspired by any, by any person in particular, by your daughters or anybody else? Or, or... Yeah, I'd probably get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> definitely is inspired by my daughters. And I don't know if you've encountered this with your kids. I mean, your son, I guess, is four, so maybe not yet. But there are a lot of Monday mornings and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for that matter, where my kids do not want to go to school and we have to, you know, rip the covers off and get them get them moving so we're not late. And so that certainly inspired the opening scene of of this book where Lucy doesn't want to go to school and she throws a bit of a tantrum and she decides to kind of rebel by putting on a a very zany outfit. And to top it off, then she puts on this magic hat from her brother's magic kit and that top hat is what sends her back in time to meet Lincoln. But yeah, I've had a lot of mornings like I describe in the book and <laughs> I, some parents have read it and they've thought, Oh, this hits a little too close to home. <laughs> yeah. So far we're, so, we're still pretty good with the morning stuff. He's not in school yet. So, but he will like, I think in August. Yeah. So um, we'll start preschool, but uh, in the mornings he's usually pretty good. He wakes up. Plops on the couch, has his chocolate milk, takes his vitamin. He's got to live it up like that as long as he can. <laughs> Reality's going to hit soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, some some days it's like he, he sort of like eases into the craziness. And like other days, it's just like from the moment he wakes up, it's just, you know, full speed ahead. But, yeah. uh, but we'll see what happens with school. All right. So. Why? Okay, I guess just uh, take everybody listening through. Um, I guess take them through the through the plot of the book. Sure. What's it? So, like you said, Lucy is having a rough Monday morning. Um, doesn't want to wake up. Doesn't want to go to school. Uh, sort of procrastinates and um, rebels <laughs> in her uh, in her own way, and you know, thinking that she's going to get herself out of school, which she actually kind of does, but. Uh, but tell, so she plops on her daughter, her, her brother's magic, uh, magic hat from his magic kit. And this is after assembling the, the weirdest possible wardrobe she can yeah. possibly get so that, you know, her parents won't let her go to school in it. Anyway, so she's in this weird get up and then has to stove up happen. And then all of a sudden 
take her there. She's yeah. in 1820s Indiana. So what she doesn't know, she kind of figures out at the end, is that her mission in the story is to give this hat to Lincoln. And so we all think about Abraham Lincoln as the guy with the stovepipe hat. And so my story kind of creates a, a fictional way of how he gets into this hat. So she travels back in time. She wakes, she sits up on a path in the middle of the woods in Indiana, and she encounters Abe and his sister Sarah as they're on their way to school. And not knowing what else to do, she goes to school with them. And every moment throughout the school day, as I describe it, is rooted in the historical record. So there are stories that take place. For instance, there's a spelling bee that she participates in that really happened in uh, real life for Lincoln in the 1820s. And she meets some of his real friends. And actually, one of the sub-themes throughout the book that I hope will be encouraging to young readers is that Lincoln was a terrible speller for his whole life. And so she kind of encounters a bit of this during the spelling bee, and then it comes out as a theme later in the book as well. After school, she goes back home to the Lincoln cabin. She meets Lincoln's dad and stepmom and hears some family stories. And throughout all these encounters, she's learning about Lincoln's life. And so she sees how Lincoln would go to great lengths to learn how to read, to practice writing. He would write really silly, funny poetry. And I actually reproduced some of it in the book. I have her finding his copybook on a table and reading some of the poems that he wrote. And then at the very end of the story, she is outside sitting with the family by a campfire and hearing stories from Thomas Lincoln, Lincoln's dad, about Abe Lincoln's grandfather. And again, these are all true stories. And then uh, at the very end, Abe puts the hat on and she travels back to the present. And uh, one of the things I did, I, I, as I was researching the book and doing a lot of reading, I started to put together a teacher's guide. And I wanted this to be something that would be useful for parents or for teachers to either give to their kids or grandkids or to students. And the parents or the teachers can look at the teacher's guide, and I've broken it down by chapter, and I basically say, here's the history behind every anecdote that I tell in the story, so that the parents or the teachers can be the experts, and then when they read the story with their kids, they can say, oh yeah, you know, Lincoln really did think this about the American Revolution, or he really did read these books about George Washington, and, and then the parents can sort of have that uh, background to make them the expert in the room and kind of impress their kids and grandkids too. Yeah, the uh, teacher's guide is fantastic, fantastic resource. Uh, just looking through it. Now you got a lot of the this information. Um, you said came from uh, a couple sources. One was uh, Michael Burlingame's uh, his big. Uh, two-part biography on Lincoln, mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't realize that you, did you do the abridgment for that? I did. So yeah, Michael, I never knew that. Yeah. Michael published that book in 2008 and it's a 1.2 million word encyclopedic biography of Abraham Lincoln. Right I mean, it's it's a doorstopper. And part of his contract with Johns Hopkins University Press was that he had to abridge it into a single volume. And he just couldn't bring himself to do it. And I know what that's like as a writer. It's really hard when you really pour your heart and soul into sure, something. Yeah. And you think it's all important and you don't want to take any out. So about five years ago, five or six years ago, he asked me if I would be willing to do that, to do the abridgment. 
And we came up with a way that I was able to buy down my teaching load a little bit at Christopher Newport University because I, I wouldn't be able to do it if I was teaching three courses a semester. So for a couple of consecutive springs, I had a, a light teaching load and I would just spend week after week after week reading each chapter. And then I had to cut 75% of each chapter out. I cut it from 1.2 million words down to 300,000. Did you hate it? I mean, I, I actually, I loved it. I, I would never have read the book because it's it's 1.2 million words and I have a lot of stuff I want to do. Like who has time, right? I mean, I, I say that a little flippantly, like it's a, mm. it's a great resource and a great book, but I, I would never have sat down from start to finish and read the whole thing. But this forced me to do it. And the fun part was I, I was working on four or five other books at the time. So as I was reading through his stuff, I would say, oh, this will go in this project. This will go in that book. And I was also at the same time beginning to conceptualize my day with Abe Lincoln. And so I was plucking things out. You know, what was the schoolhouse like? What did it look like in the cabin? What were the benches and tables like where they sat in school? What did it sound like? And all that material, I was basically doing the research while I was doing this other project and then very easily able to turn it into my own creation of this fantasy historical book. Yeah, my... My uh, my method for doing the really reading the really giant, you know, doorstop books like Berlin Games or anything like that is I just do like a chapter or two a day mm -hmm. or a night. Well, and I'll I mean, I'll read I'll probably be reading something else, you know, at the same time, but just like a chapter or two a night and then just, you know, take it off slowly, slowly, slowly. But like I, I can't like like you said, I can't do <laughs> something like that um you know just just straight through i mean i guess i probably could if i set myself to it but you know um it, it just takes forever but so it, that so that way i don't know it doesn't feel as long to me doing well, it that way. his book is 36 chapters and some yeah. of them run more than 150 pages as a word doc so yeah. even that you couldn't you couldn't sit down and do a chapter to a night no it's no surreal. no he I calls know. it the green monster because no it's, it's huge i'm showing you it's dead. yeah You're in my I don't know if you can see it. It's on the bottom shelf down there, but it's, it's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, so you got um, a lot of information from that. And then um, the recollections found in Douglas L. Wilson and Rodney O. Davis's Herndon's informants, which mm -hmm. was uh, letters, interviews, and statements about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. This is an incredible source and I really commend it to people who are interested in Lincoln there, so after Lincoln died, there were a lot of people who wanted to try to shape his legacy and shape Lincoln's story. And one of them was Lincoln's former law partner, William Herndon. And Herndon was really upset by how some people were portraying Lincoln. And so he wanted to set the record straight. And I'll say at the outset, there's problems with what he says too. But his strategy was he began reaching out to everyone he could find who knew Abraham Lincoln when they were young or when they were old. But he was finding people who knew Lincoln in Kentucky and Indiana and then throughout his time in Illinois and then in Washington, D.C. He connected with Lincoln's cousins, with his stepmom, all sorts of people. And those sources are at the Library of Congress. Most of them are at the Library of Congress. There's a few other scattered around. And 
it was not, they weren't really utilized. They Herndon used them to write his biography of Lincoln in the 1880s and a few other people used them. They didn't really begin to be utilized by modern writers till the 1920s, but they were really hard to access because you had to go to the Library of Congress or eventually get the microfilm. And then in the 90s, Douglas Wilson and Rodney Davis, who both taught at Knox College in Illinois, they decided to transcribe them all. And it is extraordinary. I mean, it's just an extraordinary source. And so I went through that pretty closely. And most Lincoln biographers have as well, because that's where you find the fun stories. So I mentioned a spelling bee that I tell in my day with Abe Lincoln. The story comes from a woman named Anna Roby, who Billy Herndon interviewed after the Civil War, after Lincoln died. And Anna recalled this moment where they were in school and they were having a spelling bee of some sort. And the teacher, Andrew Crawford, was getting really frustrated that the students were getting the words wrong. And he finally said, I'm going to give you one more word. And if you guys get it wrong, no one's allowed to go home. You guys, all, we all have to spend the night here in school. <laughs> and Anna's word was defied. And she didn't know how to spell it. So she was going D-E-F-Y-E-D. And eventually, you know, she's getting frustrated because she's getting it wrong and the teacher's getting frustrated and she looks up and there's Abe Lincoln standing by the window pointing at his eye and she figures it out, D-E-F-I-E-D. And, you know, the kids celebrate and they all get to go home. <laughs> That's the story that is true to the record that Lincoln's law partner was able to unearth in the 1860s. And then it comes down to us through this book, Herndon's Informants. And those were the kind of stories that I wanted to find that may not be well known, but that will be really fun for, for young kids to read about. And one of the things I kind of tell in the book is that, you know, it's funny that Lincoln knew how to spell the word defied, but he was actually a really bad speller. So I don't know how he knew how to spell that one when he didn't know how to spell very. I mean, if you go into the Lincoln papers, the collected works of Abraham Lincoln, as an adult, he misspelled the word very at least 40 times. V-E-R-R-Y is how yeah. he spelled it. And he misspelled words like wizard and missile and all these words. So I I work all this is that's one of the big themes of the book. And it comes out of that those sort of records that I was able to create this story. Was that punishment of being forced to stay at school overnight? Was that a, an unusual punishment for the time? Or was that it's something funny. that kids kids got threatened with? Uh, on the reg back. In I've the never heard of it anywhere else. And, uh, you know, I think about it, that would be more of a punishment for the teacher than. than sure. Right. I mean, but I mean, it's not like there were phones back then or anything too. So it's like, if the kids didn't come home from school, yeah, uh, you think the parents are like, Hey, wait a minute. What, you know, I mean, there weren't even telegraphs back then, you know? So, uh, right. you know, you couldn't like send a Western union to every uh, family. And a parent would have to walk a couple miles to find out. My yeah. hunch is it was probably an empty threat, but to a eight-year-old sure. kid, that's yeah, yeah, serious. Yeah. Um, the other thing you had that one part of the story where they're telling story, or his sister's telling stories about Abe, and that he—I didn't know this—that he almost died or drowned in a in a creek, and mm -hmm. it was in Kentucky, I think, right? Yeah, and that was got, in Kentucky. Yeah, and. Um, got saved by a, a chum of his. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. Lincoln almost died at least three times as a child or young man. And 
One of the stories I tell in my book, A House Built by Slaves, where Lincoln was actually almost killed by seven slaves on the Mississippi River in the 18, in 1828. But the, the, that's the, when he had to fight him off, right? He, he fights yeah, him off. Yeah, yeah. He's there with his friend, Alan, Alan Gentry. And uh, one of them yells, Hey, get the guns and shoot. And the slaves didn't know they didn't have guns. So the slaves mm -hmm. ran off. Uh, and that is also a story that comes down through Herndon's informants. And Lincoln also wrote about it in a, in a document in 1860. But yeah. So when, when Lincoln was a kid, he and his friend Austin Gallagher wanted to go catching partridges across Knob Creek. And Knob Creek, of course, is famous today for the, the whiskey. But back then, I mean, it was a creek where Lincoln grew up. And they were shimmying across a tree that had fallen down across the creek. And Lincoln fell in. And he didn't know how to swim. And according to the, Austin's accounts, the creek was eight feet deep there. And Austin got uh, allegedly got a stick and passed it in. And Lincoln grabbed onto it and Austin pulled him out. And then the other moment where Lincoln almost died was he was about 10 years old. And his father said, you can take some grain down to the mill and, and have it ground into flour. And the way they would do it is you would hook up a horse to the millstone and you would prod it to go in a circle. And as it went in a circle, it would move the millstone and, and ground up the, the wheat into flour or corn or whatever it was. And Lincoln, 10 years old, really excited about this opportunity to get to walk a couple miles away from the cabin and do this new thing. And he was so excited that he prodded the horse a little too severely. And he started saying, get up, you lazy old devil, and whipping the thing. And the horse reared up and kicked him. And he was bleeding profusely. And in Lincoln's words, he later said that he was apparently killed for a time. And what we know from Herndon's informants is that when Lincoln woke up, he continued what he had been saying before his first words were lazy old devil so like he had been thinking about this horse get up you lazy old devil uh the whole time he had been passed out and so again like these are true stories about abraham lincoln that i hope will capture kids attention and they'll think wow i never knew that lincoln almost died like could you imagine how different our country would be if lincoln hadn't lived and and yeah. yet he survives and rises to greatness and so lucy learns these stories throughout her day with abe yeah the horse story i knew but the the one about the creek was new to me um but there's another chapter in the book uh, toward the end of the book where uh so basically lucy goes home with abe and sarah uh, he meets uh mr and mrs lincoln uh, Lincoln's father, Thomas, and then his stepmother. Uh, and then they have dinner. And then after dinner, they the whole crew goes outside and sort of just stargazes, mm -hmm. um, just looks up at the stars. And then um, that leads Thomas Lincoln to tell the story about his grandfather, also named Abraham, uh, who was murdered by Indians uh, in an Indian attack. But is that something that the Lincolns would do? Was that like a, a, a regular sort of pastime for them to just, you know, go out and stargaze for a little bit? And yeah, uh, that's I, I've never question. heard about that before. So that is something that's a little bit of artistic license that I, ah, okay. took. I don't know if they would have done that or not, but we do know that Thomas loved to tell stories and that Lincoln mm. heard the story of his grandfather many, many, many times as a kid. And so I needed to figure out a scene in which gotcha. to have the story told. So that's how I did it. Okay. 
Yeah. And the other thing, uh, speaking of Thomas, I was thinking about this was to me, I feel like Thomas would have been the hardest character to sort of write around mm -hmm. um, just because we don't really know much about him. And we know that Lincoln and he did not have a very warm relationship with each other. Um, it's hard to say exactly what the relationship was because there's mm -hmm. just not much to go on. But, uh, but for example, Abe did not uh, go to his father's deathbed to see him before he died. He was just sort of like, well, um, yeah, can't make it. I'm a little busy, but uh, tell him that, uh, you know, say his prayers and accept the yeah. Lord and everything will be fine. Um, and he even and, says in that letter that it would be more painful for everyone if he yeah, were yeah. not go. Right, right, right. Um, so, and then there's, so the, the view we have of Thomas Lincoln really comes from Lincoln and I guess his uh, stepmother, uh, and the kids, but that, uh, well, we know he was illiterate, um, and he didn't think much of, uh, any sort of education, right. uh, whatsoever. Uh, but, um, he's, he kind of comes down as like a, I don't want to say boorish, but just, uh, I'm trying to think of a good word for it, but he, but he does uh, anyway. So across the, <laughs> The, the the pages of history he does not come across very well um so was that something uh, difficult to work with or yeah i think thomas comes off as a little less rough around the edges in my book than he mm -hmm. would have been in real life i try to capture that he was not educated that he didn't value education but that almost comes through more through what Abe and Sarah say about him than right. Thomas's character and language himself. And part of that is I wanted to make sure that the book was accessible to younger readers. And so I worried that if I made it, if I, if I did try to do too much in dialect of a backwoodsman who'd been mm. orphaned at a young age, that it would be hard to read. And that's actually something that I'm, that I've been thinking through with book two as well. Because in book two, when, when Lucy goes to the White House, she spends much of the day playing with Tad and Willie Lincoln. Mm. And one of the crazy things about Lincoln as a parent, and, and this connects to his father. I mean, Lincoln's father was a very strict disciplinarian. And there's a lot of stories that come down of, of his father whipping and beating Lincoln pretty severely. Mm. And so Lincoln reacted to that by letting his kids do anything they yeah, want run riot basically and yeah. uh you know william herndon said that if 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 lincoln's kids went to the bathroom on their table in their law office lincoln would have laughed and called it smart and and lincoln <laughs> didn't push education on them he never disciplined them and so tad lincoln didn't learn how to read till I think he was like 16 and he died at, I think 17. So, I mean, mm -hmm. Tad Lincoln for most of his life was very uneducated and in fact, very hard to understand. And when you read the, the things that people say about Tad during the civil war, they say, you know, you, you listen to him talk and you, you have to really concentrate to decipher what he's saying because he had such a bad speech impediment and was, and was just so uneducated. And so in thinking about how to write a character like that, I thought, okay, I can't 
put that into a book for six to 10 year olds. Mm, sure. It'll be too hard for them to follow. So I can capture certain parts of their character, but then try to modernize the dialogue a little bit just to make it accessible. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard stories of the Lincoln kids basically when he's in the white house and he's in a meeting, maybe a cabinet meeting or just meeting with whoever. And, uh, Ted or Willie will, um, you know, just walk into the room and be like, Dad, can I have a quarter? Yep. And he'll be like, No, you can't have a quarter. You can have a dime. And they're like, No, like, I want a quarter. And he'll be like, No, here's a dime. And just like put it on the desk, like take it or leave it. And then like the kid would like huff off, you know, like leave in a huff. And then like five seconds later, walk back through the door, come in, take the dime, and walk back out. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he, stuff like that. Lincoln had some major problems with them, but it also then leads to great stories about the White yeah. House. At one point, they rode a goat through the the grand yeah. hallway of the downstairs in the middle of a like a, a day when there were a lot of people around. I mean, it it was crazy. What Lincoln eventually did, he came up with a pattern that they had to knock at the door. So if they were going to come into his office, they it was like three quick raps and two loud, you know, deep uh, ones. And then mm-hmm. Lincoln knew it was them at the door and would call them in. Gotcha. Was he the same way with Robert as he was with the, the younger kids? You know, that's a great question. I don't know as much about Robert's youngest years in terms of what Lincoln was like with them. I imagine he was pretty similar, although people are always a little stricter with their firstborn. But, you know, it's interesting there, too. I mean, Lincoln's relationship with Robert was was strained. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some hard, you know, hard feelings between the two of them at, at different points, especially during the war when Robert wants to go fight and Lincoln and, and Mary won't won't let him until the very, very end. And even at that point, Lincoln gets him a, a plum staff officer job so that he right. isn't in any danger. But it's, uh, you know, there's a scene in the Spielberg movie where they're arguing about that very issue. And, you know, Robert wants to join and. Lincoln won't let him. And Robert says something, you know, uppity towards Lincoln and Lincoln turns and whacks him with his hand. And something like that, I think, is totally fictionalized. I don't think Lincoln ever would have struck his kids in the way, in any way, let alone a smack to the face like that. Right. Yeah. That does seem a bit out of character for him. Um, So... Let's see, how long have we been going? Oh, we've been going half an hour. All right, well, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I, we've gotten to pretty much everything. I, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed uh, the book. Uh, <laughs> I told, as I said earlier, I thought it was going to be, you know, when I just, I, when I heard children's book, I just mm-hmm. assumed, like, you know, for a little kid. Well, it's and funny. Then when it- I, I started it probably about four years ago. So my kids were were four and six then. And it actually, my the original draft was a picture book. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of envisioning 20 words on a page. And then I was going to have fun facts scattered throughout. But as I kept doing more and more research and writing, it developed into a different kind of story. But I started it when my kids were around yours age. And mm-hmm. that was the original plan. I almost I almost totally forgot. Uh, so obviously the book is illustrated. It's a picture book. Oh, yeah. um, uh, give a little shout out to your illustrator. Um Madeline Renault was Renault, that yeah. Madeline Renault? Yeah, she did a great job with all the all the pictures in there. They're really Yeah, really so good. this worked out really well. I went about a year ago when I when Reedy Press approached me about doing the book with them, 
I needed an illustrator. And so I actually went to a couple of art professors here at Christopher Newport. And I said, do you have any talented students who might be able and interested to illustrate a book? And they found Maddie and I was able to get a grant. We have, so at Christopher Newport, we really emphasize teaching students research skills and mm -hmm. creative literacy research skills sort of things. And so we have a program where students get paid over $4,000 and a housing stipend. So really over $5,000 to do work with a professor for 40 hours a week for eight weeks during the summer. And a lot of the books I've, I've had a summer scholar every year since 2015 when the program started. And a lot of my books have come out of the research I've done with students and the mentoring I've been able to do with them. And so this time, though, I needed something a little bit different. And so I contacted the art, art professors and they told me about Maddie and we applied for the Summer Scholar Grant. And so she was able to get the, the funding to do the work last summer and to illustrate the book. And, you know, she and I met a couple times and I kind of gave her a vision for what I was thinking. But I just said, you know, I want you to have fun with it and you create the characters. And so she, Lucy's picture is really her imagination there. Although I will say there are a couple of kids in the book who are friends of my kids. So at the very end, when Lucy comes back to the present and goes to school, there's a classroom scene and the teacher is Mrs. Jones from my mm -hmm. daughter's kindergarten. And all of the kids are friends of my daughters. And then my daughters are both in that picture too. So, but other than those characters, it was really Maddie just using her creative imagination to come up with what they would look like. And I thought she did a great job. Yeah, I really like the one um, where she's, uh, Lucy is imitating Abe and uh, basically reading with her back on the floor with her legs up, uh, propped up on the window yep. in her room. I thought that was a cute uh, image. She did a, yeah, a fantastic job on the whole thing. So yeah, so for those of you out there, it's not just a, um, a book with words in it. It's a book with lots of uh, neat little pictures. Um, it's about, uh, I think the PDF, uh, you gave me, it's about 95 pages around there mm -hmm. on the on the PDF. So I don't know what that'll translate to once it's on the physical that, that's how long it'll be as a book. Okay. it's about seven thousand words so for people to kind of put that in context it's about the same length as the u.s constitution yeah so um just you know when i read it it took me you know uh 15 20 minutes but it's something like if you have a uh, a younger child it's something you can you know read them to uh uh you know before they go to bed at night or if they're an older kid that's something they can you know uh, read on their own and it shouldn't take them too too long uh, but it's really uh, um, really really uh, neatly done I, I really enjoyed it and uh, not just because I'm a history nerd uh, you know it's just a it's just a solid uh, uh, children's book and uh, yeah so I'm looking forward to uh, to the next to the coming the, so the second one's gonna be in the White House She's going to meet Lincoln in the White House. Do you have an idea for the third one yet? Yeah. You... So, well, the publisher wants me to move the second one to Lincoln in the 1850s, which I'm resisting. I want to keep it in the White House and we'll see where that winds up. Because my idea for the third one then was to have her go back to either Philadelphia or New York City in April of 1865. There's a very famous photograph that shows 
the the home of Teddy Roosevelt's grandfather during the Lincoln mm. funeral procession yeah. in New York City. And if you zoom in on the the home, you see two little kids who are looking out the window, and one of them is Teddy Roosevelt at yeah. five or six years old watching Lincoln's funeral go by. And so I've toyed with the idea of of having her go back to that period and she'll meet Teddy Roosevelt. She'll learn about his life and it'll sort of point forward to his future. But then it would also he was a Republican and it would talk about what Lincoln meant to Republicans and to Americans more broadly during mm. the in the immediate aftermath of his death. So I I'm, like I'm inclined towards that for book three, if I can get if I can get the publisher to go for it. I, I worry that the funeral might be a little too dark, but I also think there could be some fun ways to do it. I like it. I, I like it. Uh, do you have any plans other than these three? Do you have any like other, not just Lincoln for other um, children's books about historical uh, figures, uh, just you know kicking around in your brain or anything like that? Yeah, my original plan was to do a series where this girl Lucy would travel back in time and meet lots of different famous people when they were kids, and the only difficulty there is I've devoted 15 years now to studying Abraham Lincoln, and I I feel like I know him well enough to be able to create a character mm -hmm. that's rooted in historical records, but also fun and real feeling. And I don't know if I could do that with Ben Franklin or George Washington or Frederick Douglass. I mean, they're all people I know well, and I've read a lot mm -hmm. about, but I've not devoted as much time to. So it's something my, my one daughter is named Clara. She really wants me to do this with Clara Barton. That's like her big uh. thing. But I, I don't know. I'd have to do so much reading to feel it, feel comfortable doing it. So yeah, the, we'll, like the Lincoln stuff, you know, in your sleep. So it's yeah. just, you know, that's I get it. All right. Well, uh, again, the name of the book is My Day with Abe Lincoln. Uh, it's going to be published the first day of February. Again, by this is by Reedy Press. So make sure you go out and uh, check it out. Take a look at it. Uh, you know, get some for your kids or grandkids. It's a, it's a, take my word for it. It's a neat little, neat little book. And then the resource, the, um, the curriculum guide that comes with it um, or that you can download, excuse me, to go along with it. If uh, it's a neat little resource for parents and teachers. So uh, if anyone out there, if you're an educator or you know, administrator at a school or something, and you need some, uh, um, you know, books uh, for the library that uh, will not be in any way uh, uh, controversial yeah. uh, for for any sort of grade level. Uh, this is a great little uh, book too. So highly, highly recommend it for everybody out there. Make sure you uh, go and check it out. Again, the, the book is My Day with Abe Lincoln and the guest, uh, Dr. Jonathan White. So Dr. White, thank you very much for coming back on for the, the fifth time. Congratulations on claiming your... Uh, uh, the pole position in your uh, five timers blazer, which uh, we'll I'll have to I'll have to ask about that at the next uh, budget meeting for Heartland. See if we can get that tailored. Uh, and then uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you for uh, uh, the next one. Yep. Thanks again for having me. All right, no problem. All right, again, if you like this podcast, please. Uh, leave us a five-star review and share with your friends. And if you have books you'd like to discuss with us on this podcast, or if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, you can reach out to me at uh, tbensononheartland.org. That's T-B-E-N-S-O-N at heartland.org. And for more information about the Heartland Institute, 
you can just go to heartland.org and you can also uh, reach out to us on our uh, Twitter account for the podcast, which is at illbooks, at ILL books. So if you have any questions or comments or anything, feel free to reach out there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Love you, Robbie. Love you, Mom. Bye-bye. Well, he lived in a cabin way down by the creek. He ran through the dust in his bare feet. But they didn't know that one fine day that he would rule this USA and be the best leader in all Yes, young Abel Lincoln make a tall, tall man. Young Abel Tall, tall.